Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arskadin coming to you from North Carolina. And today, I want to be real brief and look at a few things that have been occurring and answer the question of what is the redemptive purpose for all this chaos that's going on as we're starting to see the truth of a lot of things that might have been believed to be one way of actually being the other. And first, we want to look in Scripture in 1 Kings 17 and 18 to see a great example from Elijah in the encounter with King Ahab and the prophets of Baal as the example of the realities that people are going through um, and went through in the time of Elijah, but then also how it can compare to today. So we just want to briefly, I want to briefly go over the story in First uh, Kings 17 and 18 with Elijah here. So he first initially is told as being obedient to the Lord of predicting a drought. And then he goes on to, after he does that, he goes on to encounter a woman and her son who he asks for some a loaf of bread. She says, I, I can't because if I do, I'm going to die. Like, we're going to make this bread and we're going to go die. And he's like, don't worry. Just make me a loaf and then you'll have enough to survive the drought. So the drought goes on. He um, eventually raises a woman's son from the dead. And then he goes on in 18. And I'm paraphrasing this to hopefully just gather a perspective here, uh, uh, giving context there with this story then in 18 he encounters Obadiah who was trying to be low-key and because he when Jezebel went after the prophets of God he hid some and then he goes to him and says tell Ahab that Elijah is here and he wants to uh, have a conversation basically and then this is where Elijah goes on and confronts Ahab and the prophets of Baal and if you know this story, heard it a lot, we we see the prophets of Baal. As they set up an altar, they cry out to the Lord, and, and Elijah mocks them, and then they go in and cut themselves. And then eventually he tells the people, he, sa- he says in 18 verse 30, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and re- he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. And Elijah took twelve stones, According to the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then he arranged them. He poured water over the altar. He did it a second time. Then he did it a third time. And then he cried out to the Lord. And then a fire consumed the altar to bring out the truth that he is, the Lord, is the one true God. And when we look at the events going on in today, we're we're seeing the what seemed to be one way 
come out as being the opposite. And in this um, prayer point, Chuck points out, he says, for dealing with dethroning the thrones of iniquity, he says, today ask the Lord to give you the prophetic decree that will change the atmosphere of the heavens around you and be willing to birth the will of God in heaven by travailing and persevering until you see God's plan moving into the earth realm. And that's our sole purpose here, is to seek the Lord for what His desire is. Obviously, His desire is to bring heaven down to earth, but in, in what what area of influence the Lord has given us is what we want to, to cry out for the Lord for. Um, and then ultimately be willing to endure, to persevere, to travail um, wherever he may desire us to continue to stand, as Elijah did uh, in these examples here. So I think it's a great example to start out with some of the things we want to talk about today of revealing some of the truths that are starting to come to light uh, now uh, for the days ahead. The first one being the idea around the issue and and relationship between Russia and Iran, where Russia has been denying any aspect of Iranian drones being used and Iranians being in, in the land. And I bring this story up because the White House has confirmed that there are Iranian soldiers on the ground in Ukraine aiding Russia and Crimea, but... Then, because of attacks from Ukrainians on Russians, we're seeing that at least it is being reported that 10 Iranian soldiers who were training Russian soldiers were killed in a Ukrainian strike in the war. So this is quite interesting. The lie that's been told is, oh no, Iranians aren't involved, we don't have Iranian drones, White House is reporting that, no, there are people there, there are drones there, and now, because of an attack, there are bodies to supposedly prove it. Now, this is being reported from, um, this is from the Jerusalem Post, but they're getting their information from Ukrainian officials told uh, KAN News on Friday. So, this will be quite interesting to see how this all plays out. What's Russia's response to this? Do they just ignore it? Most likely they will. Um, there, I saw a, a video clip of a Russian official who didn't know TV cameras were on and told reporters, don't ask about the Iranian drones because we know we all know it's true, but uh, the Russian officials, Vladimir Putin, and those higher up within Russia don't want it to be known and don't want it to talk about it publicly. So... Uh, th- there's that reality coming forward. And going back to our question is, what is a redemptive purpose from all of this is, th- to me, this is happening to let people know the realities of what we're dealing with and what the world is dealing with here. Um, and, and seeking wisdom from the Lord in the days ahead for potential other encounters like this with other nations as well is when when you're at war, you know, the old saying goes all fair is, all is fair in love and war, but the reality is this is costing people their lives um and more more and more reports are coming out that Russian men are either in hiding, um they've disappeared from Moscow and they're going to Kazakhstan, 
anywhere they can. Argent, I've heard some some reports of going to Argentina. They're just fleeing because they do not want to fight in this war. They do not want um, to get caught up in this. And I can't say I blame them um, at all. So it's just, this is the reality of the situation here on this case. Okay, moving forward, a couple things domestically to look at that we talked about. Obviously, there's the campaigns, there's those things going on, is just hopefully people have the clarity to understand the how to vote, as in a lot of states, early voting has started, um, early voting in person has started, You obviously in some states you also have mail-in balloting, and... We want, I want to bring out follow up on two stories we talked about yesterday. The first one, the story uh, and the case with uh, the emergency request to block the implementation of the student loan forgiveness program from the Biden administration that was sent to Amy Coney Barrett's desk. She has denied that request, didn't really give a response, but most analysts think that the reason she did that is because she believed that this Wisconsin group didn't necessarily have standing and that in reality, because they're not the ones involved in the original case, there's, again, no standing involved in these other cases. Now, with that being said, there is um, a huge hurdle to deal with because in one of the cases brought forward by six state attorney generals, and lawyers who are involved, the judge, a Missouri judge in the matter, um, U.S. District Judge Henry E. Autre of St. Louis, said that the GOP officials representing the six states didn't have standing to challenge a loan forgiveness because they couldn't show how they had been harmed by the Biden program, which is quite interesting because the answer is the question of, okay, if that's the case, if that's the reality, that's how they're going to judge this, then I guess what needs to come forward is who does have standing? Who would be harmed? Is this is this a civil suit where I mean, is this a a, a suit where taxpayers are just going to have to pony up and and come together and unify? Is this going to be an ACLJ case, um, Alliance Defending Freedom? What is what's going to take it? The Heritage Foundation, FRC, like who's who is going to be harmed by this um, in their eyes that would actually have standing in the court? Now, there are also other cases involved that haven't been blocked, denied. This case could also be appealed. Um, if there's a way these states can prove this, and the reality is, is the case is not necessarily about showing harm from the states. It's about showing and trying to prove that the Biden administration doesn't have the authority to use the HEROES Act, which was meant to give members of the military and armed forces who have served uh, some student, some debt relief, um, being the fact that they served, and I think that's admirable. But to sit here and say that students who rightfully individually took out these loans for their own purposes should just be forgiven because the president says so. That's where people are having a an issue there. But this is a legal quagmire um, that this situation brings about, and the reality is, is okay, who has standing? Who can stand up to this? Because the reality is, is this is starting to be implemented now, 
nothing's been done, even though, you know, president makes it seem like, oh, this is all easy, no big deal, whatever the case may be, and, and remind everyone that applications aren't done uh, ending, they're not done taking applications until the end of next year. So, you know, he's doing this to motivate people to vote for him and to vote for people like him who are gonna, just going to give out government handouts. But it's going to take, number one, it's going to take some time. And then the reality is is he's already cut some people out who he said he wouldn't help, but they're not going to help. So the reality is is who does this actually help? But the, also the fact is who has standing? And I just, just pray for those who have standing to come forward and to challenges and for these judges to rule properly uh, on the authority that is being used from the president. Um, if state attorney generals don't have the authority, then who does? Uh, as a big, big question now that has to be asked um, and answered in the, within the courts, and this will most likely get challenged to a higher court to see, okay, who has standing then? Um, and maybe that's 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 going to have to. The Supreme Court has shown this: is you're going to have to go through every step before you just jump to them. And I think that's why Coney Barrett denied it, is because look, there's this is being dealt with at a lower court. When it gets to us, we'll most likely deal on it um, and rule on it. But until then, we're going to follow procedures and because they've done that on several other cases as well before throughout history. So something to pay attention to follow there. And then last thing, and this is why we say this story proves and really highlights the reality that local elections and officials matter more than your... U.S. federal national officials, senators, etc., when trying to implement things. So we talked about the vote that was coming forward with um, a group under the CDC to implement the COVID vaccine or the COVID jab, excuse me, have to be uh, sensory approved there with that that comment. But um, we talked about it, and the vote went through, and the CDC group has endorsed adding the jab to the recommended school vaccines. Now, this article from NBC talks about how, well, it's not uh, mandatory that it happen. It's just advised and recommended that these vac these jabs be uh, implemented for school-aged children. The problem with that is, and NBC knows it just as well as anybody, that s most of these schools adhere to these quote-unquote recommendations as law and won't adhere to anything outside of what is being recommended and will deny kids access to school, daycare, etc. based upon these guidelines. It's sad and unfortunate, but that's the reality of the situation is it's not, you know, recommended it's just the policy of the school and the area and etc and that comes down to local officials of who's going to actually implement this stuff and i point this out there's several people who have started to come out um, the first one being governor bill lee of tennessee saying that tennessee families won't be impacted by the cdc vote meaning that it's not going to be a requirement within the state of tennessee now the question is is do they go and pass a law to say that that won't be a requirement um, he did say in a tweet, he said, I've always said mandates are the wrong approach and Tennessee has led in pushing back on federal COVID vaccine requirements. 
which is a good thing. And then you also have uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis saying that there will be no children's um, jabs mandate involved in this as the Florida Attorney, uh, Florida Surgeon General um, has come out against these jabs for children as they have shown harmful effects to children. And the, the emergency youth authorization aspect of this, as Dr. Robert Malone pointed out yesterday, that we read in the report is very harmful and deterring to these health officials and the sad thing is is that what if there ever is a case where they are something is needed and the advice given from the cdc and all these health, other health organizations is something that is actually required and is crying wolf on this issue going to cause people not to listen to them when there is actually a wolf out there and and so i, I just bring this story out to say this is why local elections matter yes we you know people want to get motivated for the presidential election for the midterms but there's also the special elections in, in local areas the mayoral elections um, city council school boards specifically in this case um, to stand up to this, uh, I think you also had Carrie Lake came out and said when elected governor she would not go forward with this, and I think other people have said it as well. But I, I point out those two, Bill Lee and Ron DeSantis, to show that local officials are going to matter more. And we saw coming out of the pandemic of how that really plays out. The White House and everybody can say whatever they want, but at the end of the day, it's who's going to be the ones to enforce it. It's going to be the local officials. And if the local officials are going along with what tyrannical government are trying to do, then yes, they can have an effect. But the reality is, is if you have officials who are thinking for themselves, like Ron DeSantis, like other states, uh, Texas, Tennessee, others as well, who opened up and, and saw no ill effect, then the reality is, is okay. The people have the authority. Local officials actually have the authority. They're the ones to implement everything. And that's a good thing. This is the re... Through all of this, that's the redemptive purpose uh, to take from what has happened over the past two and a half years of realizing and getting people to understand the, the aspects of the law and aspects of how our country operates to what is trying to be done from certain officials in Washington, D.C. So that's a blessing, um, something redemptive to take from all of this craziness that's going on. And we just hope you guys uh, end on this note today. Hope you guys have a great weekend, are able to rest, relax, spend some time with friends and family as we continue to stand on the wall praying not only for this nation but the office of the president. And with that, I close, and I'll see you guys later. Have a good one.